Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. And that moment has arrived for five families today while everybody's uh, making their plans for Super Bowl Sunday and what they're going to do, five families have to deal with the fact that their loved ones, five Marines, were killed when that Super Stallion helicopter went down in the mountains outside of San Diego during a historic rainstorm. Every one of the lost was in their 20s. That just pains me. The decorated Marines were assigned to Marine Heavy Helicopter Squadron 361 Marine Aircraft Group 16, 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing, and were all based at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar in San Diego. This is the kind of tragedy that every squadron, you know, the leadership of a squadron never wants to have to face. In this case, it was Lieutenant Colonel Nicholas Harvey, who was the commanding officer of the Flying Tigers. And the, um, the five Marines who were lost... Uh, I'm going to name them now. These are names that we need to say out loud. The youngest was Lance Corporal Donovan Davis. He was 21 years old out of Olathe, Kansas. He had just been promoted to the rank of Lance Corporal on New Year's Day. The oldest was Captain Miguel Neva, age 28, of Traverse City, Michigan. Um, Sergeant Alec Langan, 23, of Chandler, Arizona, was a crew chief, and the rest were pilots. Uh, Captain Jack Casey, age 26, of Dover, New Hampshire, and Captain Benjamin Moulton, 27, of Emmett, Idaho. And this was the helicopter that vanished on Tuesday night on its way back to Miramar from the Creech Air Force Base. And they did not find them until late Wednesday morning near the mountain community of Pine Valley. All five Marines were killed when the helicopter went down during the storm, and efforts were underway to recover their domain, de- remains, rather, which are going to take weeks because of the rough terrain and the rough weather. So families have all been notified based on who was in there and on uh preliminary examination through uh, drone photography and the first people to arrive at the crash site. It's, you know, you know, the Marines, they'll be at this round the clock because they never leave a Marine behind. And of course, the crash will be investigated thoroughly. But it just breaks my heart. These are the kinds of stories where you really understand why I play that song every Friday because this is one of those weekends where people are going to be having a good time. People are going to be gathering with friends and placing bets and watching the Super Bowl and 
watching the commercials and all the rest of it. But these five families will never be the same. You know, they're, they will never, uh, ever again enjoy a Super Bowl Sunday. They'll always be reminded. So I thank each and every person in my listening audience who has served, will serve, has children who've served, have parents and brothers and sisters who served, because it is a profound honor for me and a privilege for me to name those who have fallen and to thank those who remain on the wall. Because without them, there's no Super Bowls. There's no nothing, you know. Um, and then, of course, the number one news item is everybody scratching their head, trying to figure out how do you wrap your mind around a special counsel report into the misplaced classified documents, which when I first heard the report early yesterday that there were going to be no charges, no indictments, I thought, well, that's really good news for President Biden. Uh, doesn't doesn't make me satisfied considering what they're putting uh, former President Donald Trump through for classified documents, and he at least had presidential powers that he could fall back on. Uh, Joe Biden didn't have those, not as VP and not as a senator, nor did I see any photographs that looked like the mess in that garage where documents were in boxes that were torn and spilling out. You know, uh, say what you will about Mar-a-Lago. It's a pretty secure facility and there's secret service in there 24-7 because the ex-president lives there. Um, the report into these documents seems on the surface to be good news for President Biden. He's not going to be indicted, even though it's clear and the report says that he willfully retained classified documents and shared some of them with a ghostwriter. But we won't have to go through the indignity of choosing between two indicted presidents this November. The reason for dropping the case, though, is what made this yesterday a terrible day for Joe Biden and for the Democrat Party. Because the reason for dropping the case was that it would be very difficult to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Joe Biden did this deliberately because, number one, he cooperated with the inquiry and returned the materials promptly, and number two, because they said he's pathetic, really. They said he's a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. This is the money quote, okay? Mr. Biden's recorded conversations with that ghostwriter, Zwanitzer, from 2017 are often painfully slow with Mr. Biden struggling to remember events and straining at times to read and relay his own notebook entries. In his interview now with the special counsel, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He didn't remember what years he was vice president, forgetting on the very first day of the interview when his term ended. If it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president, he said. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. I think it was in 2009. 
Am I still vice president, he asked. He didn't remember, even within several years, when his son Bo died. And his memory was hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. He mistakenly said he had a real difference of opinion with General Carl Eikenberry when, in fact, Eikenberry was an ally whom Joe Biden cited approvingly in his memo to President Obama about that Afghanistan business, as he called it. That's concerning because the death of his son, Bo is like a seminal event in his life. He brings it up all the time, and yet he doesn't remember when it happened, even within several years. Publicly, he even keeps saying that Bo died in Iraq. And then he couldn't remember a key ally in a fight over Afghanistan, called him an opponent. In the very same week that President Biden talked of a G7 meeting that just took place where he said he was chatting with President Mitterrand of France, a man who died in 1996. And then three days later, he had another memory of that same summit and what Helmut Cole had said when it was obviously Angela Merkel and Macron that he was talking to. But confusing Helmut Kohl with Merkel, that's a little harder to forget. One was a man, one was a woman. Even in the presser that he did yesterday, which boggles my mind that they let him do that presser, really. He said he was talking to the president of Mexico rather than the president of Egypt about Gaza. Or when he was trying to uh, explain where the Israel-Hamas negotiations are, he could not remember Hamas. Couldn't remember Hamas. Now, I don't know if any of us should be dancing on his proverbial tombstone right now, but how do you allow the man who is the commander-in-chief of the most mighty military in the world, and the world is on fire with multiple wars raging, many of which we are either uh, involved in directly or involved in indirectly, to a man who has these kinds of memory lapses. This investigation apparently didn't reveal a crime. What it revealed was that we have a, a, a guy in the White House right now who shouldn't be there, never mind running for another term. A true partisan probably should have invited, indicted him rather than this report. This report does more damage than an indictment would have. I don't know. And look, you and I don't know how much dementia is affecting Joe Biden. There are times when sometimes he seems lucid for a man his age, but it's patchy at best. He has good days and bad days. My mother, who suffered with Alzheimer's, my father, who suffered with the uh, senility and a degree of dementia in their latter years, had good days and bad days. But they were not 
in charge or they did not have control of the nuclear football, okay? You know, many of us have parents who were fine into their 80s until suddenly the decline began. In the case of my mother, the decline was, was swift. 77% of Americans think that Joe Biden is too old to be effective for four more years. And 69% of Democrats feel that way. Why wouldn't they? When you add this to his refusal to replace Kamala Harris on the ticket, which at least would reassure some of the Democrats that, God forbid, he's incapable of doing the job that the person who takes over is capable no, that's not what you have. Instead, I think it was Andrew Sullivan said today, you're having a classic Ruth Bader Ginsburg problem because, you see, Ginsburg believed in her own superpowers and her familiar familiar human resistance to giving up power led us to the end of Roe v. Wade, which is okay with me. But she de destroyed much of what she had achieved by refusing to leave the stage in a timely manner. And you can say the same for Hillary Clinton. She had her chance to win the presidency in 2008 and failed, and she should have been content to serve in Obama's cabinet and then retire from the stage. But hell no, she wouldn't go, ensuring that Donald Trump then became president. It's okay with me, but it's not okay with the Democrats. And Joe Biden seems prepared to follow in her footsteps, risking a second Trump term rather than concede that after decades in public service, two terms as vice president and one term as president, it might actually be time for him to make way for someone else. Can someone not just pull this guy aside and beg him to do the right thing? Well, just saying. If you want to read more commentary like that, the Weekly Dish is full of it today. Uh, Andrew Sullivan is very upset. A lot of Democrats, a lot of liberals are very upset, and they should be. Anyway, don't forget, download our app, the 850 WFTL app, so you can participate in all our cool contests, and you can listen to all the podcasts. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. All we know is that uh, this, this uh, report that came from Robert Hur, the, the special prosecutor, hurt terribly yesterday. Uh, and Joe Biden was really ticked off about it, too. But he also, you know, they better figure out, they better get their story straight. That's all I'm going to say. I think Donald Trump pointed it out today that, you know, you had the White House spokesperson, Ian Sams, um, talking about how the information that has, was shared from these classified documents was only shared with a ghostwriter. But Joe Biden just yesterday said that he didn't share the classified information with the ghostwriter. So within eight hours, these guys could not keep their story straight. 
Does anybody out there get the feeling that I'm getting that the Democrats realize they have got to get rid of Joe and they are doing it in the most inartful and painful way possible, publicly humiliating? Look, don't, don't bother me. But it really, it is going to ensure a victory for Donald Trump because there are so many people out there who now look at the way the two cases are being handled. And all they can say is, you know, this is not apples to oranges. This is apples to apples. Only one basket of apples is being treated as though they were, you know, Macintosh and the others being treated as though they were like rotten sour apples. How is that not going to get the notice of the voters? Of course it will. And even if it doesn't motivate many people to vote for Donald Trump, it will certainly solidify his supporters' votes and it will cause people to stay home. Who's going to take responsibility for voting for a man that's too old to be tried for misplaced documents? Are you supposed to believe, but he's not too old to run the biggest nation on earth? I mean, that does not pass the smell test. I don't care how stupid you are or how much of a liberal you are. You, you just, you can't, you, you can't make sense of that. You, you, they're not going to. So this was a terrible day for him. It was a great day for Donald Trump. First, you saw even the liberal justices yesterday pretty much uh, let the uh, Colorado uh, folks know that, no, nobody thinks it's a good idea for you to have the power to take him off the ballot. Nope, we're not going for that. It might very well end up being an eight to one decision because Sonia Sotomayor has to be the lone knucklehead, but it might be a nine zero. I mean, maybe when she actually looks back at the transcript of all the questions that were asked by not just conservative justices, but by Katanji Brown and by, um, you know, Elena Kagan, her buddies. Uh, no, this, that again, this was a, was a, yesterday was a great day for Donald Trump. He needed a great day because he's had nothing but bad days for a couple of weeks now. But it was a horrendous day for the Democrats and for Joe Biden. And I don't know. You know, it made everybody forget about the border bill. It made everybody forget temporarily about the border. But today, that goes back on the front burner. And now we're saying, well, maybe the reason this administration is incapable of managing the border is because the commander-in-chief is incapable of anything. I, I would feel sorry for him if he weren't such a belligerent creep who's done so much damage to the American people with his nonsense over the last 40 years. So I just can't even like gather up uh, sympathy for him. But I do have empathy, and I have a real um, sadness that we've gotten to a place in America where both parties are so riddled with people who are inept, incompetent, too old and shouldn't be there, the Mitch McConnells and the, and the Joe Bidens, and, and it's amazing to me. You know, when Andrew Sullivan brought up Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's exactly what happened. 
her refusal to retire at the end really uh, gave Donald Trump the ability to put three conservative justices into that Supreme Court and young enough that they'll be there for quite some time. And, you know, say what you will. Lena Kagan ain't getting any younger. Neither is Sotomayor. They're not a young group on the left. You know, Ketanji Jackson-Brown is probably the, you know, the only one that'll still be there in 15 years or 10 years even. So what a, what a mess. People must be looking at our, at our country and wondering. We don't believe anything. All the conspiracy theories or the so-called conspiracy theories all ended up being true. Now today, we find out that, remember when they, there was a story that leaked about Sheila Jackson Lee, the Democrat from Texas, who, you know, apparently was just dropping F-bombs all over the place, and somebody from her staff leaked the audio. This aide, I mean, uh, Jerome Brooks was his name. Well, now we find out that on October 29th, he went to a hotel near Austin, Texas, to uh, play Tootsie Wootsies in doing some kind of Tinder homosexual hookup thing. And he died of a drug overdose. Now, they said it wasn't a homicide. You know, already they're like tap dancing. No, no, it wasn't a homicide. He, he went to the hotel room of a male that he met online. He was drinking ethanol and taking pills that were described as ecstasy. A call was placed to paramedics after he grabbed his chest and slumped over. He was given naloxicon, that's the Narcan, but he didn't survive. His CPR didn't survive. And the toxicology report now comes out and says he had alcohol, MDMA, memphamphetamine, sildenafil, which is similar to Viagra, in his system. Okay. I don't know. But here's this guy who really exposed Sheila Jackson Lee for the creep that she is, ends up uh, dead, dead, right? You know, this is the this is the crowd that these are the crowds that we have leading this country right now. It's a shame. It's a it's a real shame. Anyway, let me take a break. I will be talking to Derek in the final segment because I just need the relief. But stay right where you are. I got a lot more to talk about, and I don't have a lot of time to do it. So just make a short break, and then we'll be right back. So, so much stuff, and in an election year, everything gets uh, exaggerated, right? You know, now we're having all of these uh, discussions for the first time in a long time about, uh, you know, whether or not we should keep the federal income tax and the payroll tax system in place and you know, that's how people get campaign contributions and special interest money and this money that flows into the politicians and they get tax breaks and some people get tax penalties. And I'm listening to all this and I'm thinking, for the last 30-something years, I've been saying over and over again, and interestingly enough, 
it's not just me because the other day I heard Dan Bongino talking about this and I'd never heard him talk about this before. Um, but of course he's, you know, he's only been on the air, um, a little, a little over a year. So, or maybe two years, whatever. But so it may not just have come up. It's been kind of a busy season and whatever he talks about is relevant, but he was talking about, you know, a flat tax, a fair tax. And, I've been talking about this for like 30 something years. And whenever it gets broken out again, it's really because the elites in Washington are trying to screw us over and they just don't want to get caught. So they start this crazy stuff is, you know, this crazy conversation. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, when you graduate from college, for the most part, you're probably a little left of center, right? Especially if you go to an American college these days, you better be left of center or you're going to be silenced anyway. You'll be censored. So you have these young people coming out and they get their first good job. I was just talking to somebody, first job interview they've had, they're 30 years old. They've not worked in the in their career yet. You know, first it was college and then it was COVID and then it was get your master's because nobody's hiring anybody with a, you know, if you want, if you only have a bachelor's, you can get a job at Publix now, you know? So it's like, I'm listening to this person's conversation and they got their first paycheck and they're like going through an apoplectic whatever. You know, they're in a, a state. I've never seen them in the state before going, oh my God, I can't believe how much I'm paying, how much uh, tax was withheld. And here's, look at this, look at these payroll taxes right here on my paycheck stub. And I'm going, and that's only the taxes that you see because you pay hidden federal taxes every time you buy something. So whether you're retired or employed, the hidden taxes that are embedded in the prices of everything you buy means your tax liability is much bigger than you even see on your pay stub or your tax return. So the law of economics dictates that, you know, businesses have to make a profit in order to stay in business. That means that a business has to sell its stuff, its products or its services for more money than it costs them to make the product or provide the service because they got to make a profit for their owners. And it doesn't matter what industry you're talking about. You could be talking about farmers. In order to have wheat to sell, a farmer has to buy land, or at very least lease some land, has to buy seed, has to have a tractor and a combine and all this other farm equipment, has to pay all the costs of operating and maintaining the equipment, has to hire employees, got to pay their salaries and their benefits, and the employer's share of the federal payroll taxes, which I think is over 7% now, and pay his own federal income taxes. So just to survive, the farmer has to sell his wheat for enough money to pay all those costs and still have enough profit left over to feed his family and buy seed for next year's crop, fix his broken machinery. So it, it, it always makes me laugh when these people, these young people who are all so liberal in every other way, see that first paycheck and say, oh my God, 
I got this amount in payroll taxes. I've got this amount in, if you don't live in Florida, you might have a state tax. You might have a county tax. You might have a city tax. You got all, then you got property taxes. Then you got sales tax. And then you have the hidden taxes, right? And so young people are like, they're so outraged. How could this be? How could you let this happen? And I'm thinking, well, how did you think we were going to pay and put $300 on a credit card for an illegal alien unless, you know, we get money from somewhere? How do you think um, we have a standing military? How do you think these things that you take advantage of, like student loans and everything else, how did you think they were being paid for? It's you, the taxpayer, who pays for those things. And now that you've noticed it, maybe you want to get on the side of like a flat tax or a fair tax. You know, now that you think about it, and then they'll go, oh, but that doesn't seem fair. Why should a millionaire only pay 10%? Because 10% of a million dollars is still a lot of money. And 10% of $30,000 is manageable. Barely. I don't know how anybody could manage on uh, $30,000 a year anymore. I just don't. You'd have to get some aid. There's no question about it. And that, so it's stunning to me. Now all of a sudden we're back to talking about, look, ooh, we gotta, we gotta consider the tax system and how we can revise it. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's a little late for me, but I certainly have been sounding the alarm for 33 years on the air down here. So maybe next time you'll pay more attention to what people like I have to say. Mm, probably not. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. Don't forget that after my show, you'll hear Eric Erickson and uh, Joe Pags and Lars Larson, and then we'll be in the weekend, officially, Super Bowl weekend. I don't know what your plans are, but my plans are to do anything that doesn't have to do with Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Derek will be with me in the next segment, in the final segment for this week, so stay right where you are. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood, as only the Kaufman family can bring it. All right, so the first question that I have to ask you is all of my listeners are worried and your uncle Al is worried that you were were drowning in these historic floods. Is everything okay at your house? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me whether I have the Niners or the Chiefs. We're we're, we're fine. <laughs> everything is going uh, well. They did they didn't even cancel school, which was a relief to a lot of parents because I would take a canoe to drop off Carter. <laughs> he does not need to be locked up indoors during the week. <laughs> Little boy needs to run out his energy. So we've been fine. It has been quite rainy, um, but you know, the, the, nothing like a you know we're south. Southern California people, you know, we don't, we're not used to it like, like you are in Florida. It's not been much worse than that. No. Well, but you know, there was that, uh, that Marine helicopter that went down and they're saying the weather has been, it was like a historic storm because. It, it um, is a lot of rain and, and we're not a city that's accustomed to it. So, you know, it's just like when it turns winter and it's 65 degrees and people put on their down, you know, down jackets. <laughs> it's a little bit of that phenomenon, but everyone is fine and happy and safe and, you know, work wasn't canceled. So we're in here breaking news. All right. Well, that's good. And I guess some of the biggest news is going to revolve around Las Vegas and the Super Bowl. What are you hearing? 
Yeah, you know, it's the only story there is, basically. You know, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey have blotted out the sun. We haven't had a monoculture in a long time, but I think the world is truly revolving around those two people right now. Um, and even the people in their orbit. So what's most interesting to me is we, we got Jason Kelsey, his brother, who their podcast has blown up uh, recently. And we asked him, hey, uh, are you going to get an SNL gig? You know, Travis was famously on SNL recently, did a good job. And his brother's quite charming and a, sort of a different character. He's a lineman, so he's a bit heavier set, and he's very, very funny, self-deprecating. And I think he'll probably end up on Saturday Night Live as well. The, the, the fame and its ability of Taylor Swift to elevate everyone even in her orbit is incredible. Brittany Mahomes is in Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. She's just <laughs> sort of nearby in the luxury box, and right. she's now been elevated. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, people think that this is the first time this phenomenon has ever happened. But, uh, you know, what about Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe? That was the oh, same that's kind absolutely of another great example. You know, we were thinking in the football context when Tony Romo was with Jessica Simpson, but mm -hmm. Jessica Simpson wasn't nearly on the no. level of Taylor Swift. But you're absolutely right. Marilyn Monroe was every bit the superstar that a Taylor Swift was. And that was what a couple. That's why you had Paul Simon writing songs with them dropped in it. Yeah, and why roses were delivered to her graveside uh, long after she was gone. Um, I think but... you're right. That's probably the best other example of because I was saying no one dated Madonna. Dennis Rodman dated Madonna, and yeah. she was as big. But Dennis Rodman wasn't really. He was always so kooky, right. um, and that was they weren't really a couple in the same way as Travis and Taylor. Right, and Joe DiMaggio was the consummate out, you know, uh, athlete. Everybody knew who he was, Jolt and Joe. So that's yeah, right. I, played I, for I, the most, the biggest team in, you know, all of sports, if you ask me. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, them and the Knicks. Just saying. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing, of course, is that this halftime show is starting to look bigger and bigger. I know it's Usher who doesn't, you know, move me in one way or another. But now they're talking that he's in talks with a lot of big celebrities. Oh, this could be huge. You're right. And, and I think this is also part of the Taylor Swift effect. But Usher's a big star, and he's got mm -hmm. the halftime show. So how is he going to make it big enough that people aren't thinking about Taylor Swift? Well, adding Justin Bieber is a good, is a good way to sort of uh, boost up the star power a little bit. Because Usher, he's, he's my generation, but I'm getting up there. So I'm very excited to see him you know, roll out all the hits. But how are you going to get the younger kids? And Justin Bieber might come on stage with him. So we'll see if that actually comes to pass. I will say, overall, this is one of the most hotly anticipated Super Bowls in recent memory, so I can imagine all the stars coming out. You know, sometimes it's a bit of a clunker of a matchup, but, you know, the 49ers have such a history. The Chiefs, obviously, are the hottest dynasty in football for the last few years, so this is a really, really big one, and Vegas is set to do it up very big. You know, they got professional sports now. It's the hottest nightclubs in town, so this will be a huge, huge weekend. Do you think they're, you know, that Taylor Swift makes it back from Hong Kong? Isn't she in, like, China or Japan somewhere today? Oh, man. I think if they even have to dust off the Concorde in France, <laughs> they're going to get make sure that she gets to Vegas. I, I imagine we'll be seeing flight trackers to make sure she's <laughs> en route, uh, even if she has to leave Tokyo just a little bit early. You know, she's such a professional, though. I give her a lot of credit. She could have canceled and said, hey, we'll redo this. I want to make sure I see the Super Bowl. But she's out there touring, and, and a lot of people are excited to see her in Asia. So she's going to fulfill her commitments and then fly on back. Wow. That is crazy. Well, talking about football heroes, it looks like one of uh, the, well, he's a hero and he's also an infamous guy. O.J. Simpson is sick, huh? 
Yeah, you know, O.J. Simpson was uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he's already undergoing chemotherapy. You know, it's so interesting to think about O.J. Simpson and how this news would have been received if he had stayed on the trajectory of one of the most beloved athletes in history. He was in Naked Gun. He was a sports announcer. He had those great looks. And then everything changed in 1994 with the double homicide and his trial of the century. And now how this be, how this is being received, you're going to get a lot of sort of cheap shots about, hey, this couldn't have happened to a – why do bad things happen to good people kind of jokes. But it's serious. You know, he was diagnosed with cancer. No one wants to see anyone suffer. And he is he is still a legend, even if a very, very complicated one. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes we're very forgiving when uh, enough time has gone by. Not me personally, but I think a lot of other people. Um, I think you're right. And when you see someone brought low, I mean, there's a picture of him in January where he looks frail. He's walking with a cane and he's, you know, seeing your sports heroes of of yesteryear sort of brought low. It's always a a bit humbling. I remember Jim Brown looking very frail. This was a guy who was, they're such incredible athletes in their prime. um, And, you know, time gets us all in one way or another. So the only person that I know is a guarantee at this halftime show besides Usher is Alicia Keys. Is anybody else announced as 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 such? That's the that's the big one that's been confirmed. I, I think personally this Justin Bieber thing will happen. Usher and Bieber have pretty close association. They work with a lot of the same kind of management over time. So I think he will be a big name that that comes into play. Alicia Keys, you're right. And I do think there'll be some other surprises that are going to be kept under wraps. There's a lot of people in town. You've got Too Short in town. You've got Tech 9 in town. Everyone's in Vegas, so they'll have their pick of the litter. Who he gets to bring on stage, I think, let's let's have a little excitement, a little yeah. mystery. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, the, it's, it's actually going to be a good game. So that's uh, that should bring out the, the people. You I think that's the- right. Who do you have? I have to go with the 49ers or my grandsons will, won't talk to me. Yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of rooting for the 49ers. I want to see this Chiefs dynasty end, but it's hard to bet against Mahomes and Kelsey. And I know it would be very good for the NFL if you're a conspiracy theorist. Having them win and uh, Taylor and, and Travis go to Disney is, is big business. <laughs> hey, listen, big business would be if Usher brings her up on the stage at halftime. Uh, that That's the ultimate business. She's t- she'll be jet-lagged from Tokyo, though, so I, I wouldn't hold your breath. No, no, no. She's got the youthful vigor. All right, well, stay dry. Did it, is it still raining or did it stop? Uh, you know, it sprinkles on and off. It's not quite dry, I wouldn't call it, but the heavy downpour has passed us. The atmospheric river, as they were calling it. Okay. Well, you going to a Super Bowl party? Any celebrity parties? I'm hosting one. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course, Mary wants to have people over. You know okay. my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Have a wonderful time. All right. Okay. You Talk to you care. soon. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. It's a fast life. That's That's the life that they have there in California. So... I hope that everyone stays safe. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. You know, during these kinds of weekends, when you have all these people running around and uh, getting drunk and going from house party to house party, I I just ask that you stay safe. If you have had too much to drink, just call an Uber, get in a cab, or call somebody to come get you. Because the worst thing I can think of is that you're out there partying and trying to have a good time and you you would get involved in an accident where someone you or someone else gets hurt so I always say this on New Year's Eve and I say it on Super Bowl Sunday just be safe I don't object to the partying but just be safe
glad that my son's party will be at his house. He won't have to drive anywhere. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here right on Monday at three o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself because everybody else is taken. And yes, my grandsons, Ben and Abe, have told me that if I don't root for the 49ers, they will be very upset with me. So sorry, Pat Mahomes. It's not like you won't have a lot of support. See you all on Monday. God bless you and God bless the USA. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.